What's up? This is Brandon London, and you're listening to the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. You hear that? The Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. Let's go, Giants. Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week, we are 100% British, uh, but as always, 100% Giants. Uh, No Dan this week due to work commitments, and unfortunately, Kev is feeling a bit under the weather. So I am taking up the mantle of host, and I'm joined by this week's producer, uh, Shane. How you doing, mate? You all right? Producer Shane, he just ain't got the same ring to it as it is. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I'm all good. Uh, looking forward to getting into some some of the new stuff that we've had happen over the last um, few days. I know kind of our group chat's been mental and you've been busy updating a variety of documents, uh, seemingly hourly, uh, the way it's been going as well. Uh, but yeah, as you say, it's just uh, the, the two of us today. So we'll just uh, kind of start as well by saying if anyone's listening to this and wants to jump on and talk edge and linebackers with us um, whether you want to jump on for just a few minutes and talk about a couple of players or you fancy just sort of being with us for the duration that third voice is always welcome so if you are interested either put something in the comments or drop us a message on our Twitter page uh, I'm monitoring that the joys of producing as well um, Big Blue UK IRL as always drop us a quick DM and I'll get you link sent over and we'll get you in here and you can uh give your opinion on some of the news and also how linebackers are looking. You're on mute. You can tell I'm not used to hosting. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Just exactly what Shane said there. Um, You know, two of us, we can talk between each other, have a little bit of banter, but with a third, sometimes it does help. So if anyone's interested, uh, let us know and we will happily have you in here. So, uh, before we get into the crux, because there is a hell of a lot to get through this week, um, if you're watching this on YouTube or on Facebook, do pop any questions into the comments. We will pop them up and answer any of them. Uh, we love interacting with you guys. You know who doesn't? So um, subscribe if you haven't already, and also give this video a nice thumbs up because it all helps. Uh, now, training camp began today, uh, and whilst there was a lot of hype, there was also a ton of news since the last time that we. Um, were on talking about Saquon for God knows how long we were talking about Saquon for. Um, But there's so much news for us to cover that we cannot cover um, training camp now. So we're going to leave that until Dan's back next week and and we'll get into that. So, you know, kind of let's kick off with some of that news since the the Barkley episode. Now, after all the chat about a deal not being agreed um, and the speculation of whether Barkley would do anything, turn up to training camp, sign his tender. Um, some shock news broke on Tuesday that Barkley had in fact signed his franchise tag after the Giants added a couple of sweeteners in there. Um, Barkley's new one-year deal includes a $2 million signing bonus along with a trio of incentives based on rushing yards, touchdowns and uh, receptions uh, that are worth an additional $909,000 to him. Now, bear in mind that these uh, incentives will only come in if the Giants reach the playoffs. But since the tag was signed, he's eligible to report to camp and he did 
just that today, uh, catching a, a touchdown from um, Daniel Jones, I believe, in 11-on-11s. Now, now, Shane, obviously we spoke about all the details regarding No Deal last week and we went through all the hypotheticals and, you know, <laughs> it's now gone completely out the window because we do have a deal. Um, you know, it's only a year deal because that's all he was allowed to sign. But do you think this is an olive branch from Joe Shane? Um, and how do you feel this is going to go next season? Are we going to see him tagged again? Because that is another opportunity still. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite surprised that Saquon didn't turn and say any deal I signed I want and no tag clause in it. Now, obviously, there's a, been a lot of chat saying um, how this sort of comes across for him. It shows him in good light, etc., which it does. But I think for, for me personally, I didn't really understand why Saquon kind of signed it. I mean, I think we all said last week, if he sits out, it's no big deal in all honesty for running. You know, you're not talking about the quarterback re- refusing to turn up to training camp. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that Joe Shane is as such as maybe put a deal there, um, uh, put a comp, put a, like a gentleman's agreement saying, yeah, look, we won't tag you next year. But um, I think we mentioned in our chat when this news broke, maybe there's been a hint or there's a gentleman's agreement about a potential contract in the future. Like you, you do this um, and we'll, we'll, this is the kind of deal we'll look at giving you next year. Now what is interesting is that the performance based stats that he gets um they're not easy to hit, to be honest with you. So he's got a rush for 1,300 yards, um, which he did in his rookie year, and he did it last year. But he's only ever just gone over that. He did uh, 1,307 yards in his rookie year and 1,312 last year. Um, he's got to get 11 touchdowns. He's only ever got 11 touchdowns in his rookie season, and he's got to get 65 receptions. Again, only ever did it in his rookie year as well. He had 57 last year for comparison and just 10 touchdowns. So they're not the most, um, they're not the easiest of targets for him to hit when you look at how often he's hit them targets in previous seasons. Um, so maybe, you know, Saquon's just banking on himself a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there was a lot of chatter within the locker room. I think um, Xavier McKinney was one of those um guys who came out and said, look, we want Saquon here. We, you know, we love him. We've spoken to him. Um, and even after the news dropped and that podcast dropped where I think Saquon was almost fed a few lines in there, that he was still liking a lot of things about false narratives. And, you know, he loves his his cap uh, tweet, doesn't he, with the blue, the blue cap, which uh, for any of those people like ourselves who are not youngsters and have no idea what cap means, apparently it means lies. Uh, but he was very vocal on Twitter, making sure that everyone was aware that all, all of the stuff that's been said about, you know, his guys requesting a trade and uh, and all of that is, is all just lies. And, you know, we're just, ha- we're just happy to see him at camp because you always want your best players there. And regardless of some of the narratives that keep being woven that, you know, Barkley is our best player. He's not our best player. You know, it could be another person we're going to speak about in a second. It doesn't matter. He's one of the best at, um, at, at, in the team and, and we're always going to want him in with the Giants. So, um, but yeah, as as we've just sort of mentioned, there is another one of our, uh, you know, best players on the roster who's now here for five more years. Um, second team All-Pro left tackle Andrew Thomas signed a new deal earlier today. Thomas, who was the fourth overall pick in the 2020 draft, signed a five-year, $117.5 million extension. That includes an O-line record 
$67 million fully guaranteed. Uh, now, as any Giant fan knows, uh, Thomas's NFL career did get off to a rocky start and he did struggle in his rookie year. However, the two years since, he's developed into one of the best left tackles in the league. And, you know, blindside protectors are a commodity that quarterbacks love and you need them on your team and you need a good one to keep your quarterback upright. Now, Thomas has played in 45 regular season games with 44 starts, uh, in addition to two postseason uh, games as well. His performances last season not only helped Mr. Saquon Barkley reach a career high 1,312 rushing yards, but also helped Daniel Jones to get his new contract after Jones set franchise single season records in completion percentage and led the NFL by throwing an interception on just 1.1% of his passes, which is also a franchise record. Uh, Shane, another player signed up long term. What are your thoughts on the financials? And that's that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th that's that alone probably just shows you why he's got paid. Um, I think this is probably the one that kind of everyone was unanimous in. It's a case of when, not if. You know, we've got uh, Andrew Thomas there for the next seven years. Like, do you know what that's, you know, you've got a capable left tackle, blindside protector for Daniel Jones for the next seven years. Um, you know, I think it, it's massive. I think it was a no-brainer at all. Um, I'm really happy for Andrew Thomas, to be honest. You know, he, like you mentioned, he came into the league. He had his struggles. Um, most Jones fans were critical of him. I, I was critical of him at times. I'll hold my hands up, although it's a, an unsexy position. Everyone knows how I feel about offensive tackles. Um, you know, I understand that, you know, your tackles have got to get paid at the end of the day. Um, and I think I seen a tweet earlier on. I, I think is it some is his deal the second highest behind Laramie Tunsil, but I think is it the most guaranteed? Uh, yeah, in Ronnie Stanley. So you know that just shows that what what the Giants think of him. Um, and you know he's he's kind of reset the market in a sense of like you know that guaranteed money. And you know it'll be interesting to see what um, another player who was drafted not long after him, who everyone raves about, Tristan Wirfs gets. Um, I know that a lot of people sort of have got him above Thomas. For me personally, I don't think so. Wirfs plays right tackle. Thomas plays left tackle. Obviously, left tackle's the more premier position. Um, but, you know, yeah, you're buzzing for Andrew, Andrew Thomas to be signed. Like I say, he's here, he's here for seven more years in total. Because obviously, we've got the... Um, He's, he's fourth year this this year. We've picked up the fifth mm. year. Obviously, he's got the extension as well. Um, so that's how it transpires into the seven years. And like more than anything else for any Giants fans, if you were, were worried about getting a Thomas jersey, you don't need to worry no more. You can go out and get that jersey knowing he's here till, for the next seven years in total. Yeah, and, and you're right um, when you uh, mentioned Larry Tunsil. Uh, I believe it's worked out on uh, average value per year. And Thomas is now second uh, out of all uh, offensive linemen on the uh, per year guaranteed, essentially, behind Tunsil. And I think there's only about a mil, two mil in it. So it, it's extremely close. But as you said, if you hold him back on that jersey, you can go and get it now. We've got our, our left tackle of the future kind of signed up. And, and as you rightly said, you know, he's here for the fourth year. We've taken his fifth year option. He's signed the extension. I think it's till 2029. So it's a hell of a deal, but that's exactly what you want. And I believe that I saw something like his cap hit is, is it 15 mil 
this year, something around that, or is it even less? I, I, I could be wrong. So, you know, cap space when it's at a premium is something that we're going to need going going forward to make sure that if there are any veterans that get cut on cut day that we want to bolster, you know, some of the positions, including two positions we're going to speak about later on, which probably are two positions that really need a little bit of love still uh, on the Giants roster. Uh, that's that's the perfect way to do it is to extend young players uh, and free up a bit of cap space there. Yeah, it was. Um, I've got his details here, courtesy of Dan Duggan. It was a 16 million signing bonus, and his cap it will be around five million this year. Uh, he's got guaranteed salaries in 23, 24, 25, 26 plus roster bonuses. Um, so you know, it, it, it's a small cap it for this year. Um, and I don't, I don't know. What you think as well, but like especially for myself, obviously I've not been a Giants fan for that long, sort of five years now. But it's great to finally see players drafted and getting a second contract. Like it, it felt like for for the first few years, I, I was a Giants fan. Mm-hmm. No one ever got a second contract, and like Saquon's kind of been being tagged, stroke signed the tag. You've had Jones, you've had. Um, Lawrence, and there you got Andrew Thomas. You got the likes of McKinney coming up as well, um, mm. even Darius Slayton. So you know it's finally nice to see players getting second contracts. It feels like that's something the Giants have done over the last few years. I think one that goes under the radar as well is um, O'Shane Zimenez as as well signed. He signed an additional year, I think, this year. Uh, you know, and it doesn't matter how small those contracts are. If it's the second contract with the same team that drafted you, then. That's what we really need, and um, you know, I'm going to mention a swear word in this uh, in this pod podcast universe with the Giants. But um, all Dave Gettleman picks, we have said a broken clock is right, you know, t- twice a day. Uh, but his track record's not bad. It's exactly what we what we always moan about, though. They're all kind of high end picks, aren't they? Like top 100 picks. It was after that that really he he wasn't great with and. Cap control is another another podcast <laughs> in its uh, in its entirety. Um, now the Giants did also make a hell of a lot of roster moves over the last few days, keeping us well on our toes trying to figure out who's coming and who's going. Um, four more depth pieces um, since last Friday: veteran wide receiver Cole Beasley, running back James Robinson, defensive tackle Brandon Bryant, and edge rusher to Sean Bauer. Beasley was the first one, signed for the Dallas Cowboys back in 2012, undrafted free agent and spent six years in Dallas before a three-year stint in Buffalo. 2022, he signed for the Bucks before announcing his retirement on October the 5th. He would then later return to the Bills mid-December until the end of the season, joining them for their playoff run. Uh, Beasley has played 153 games with 51 starts across 11 seasons, totaling 556 receptions for five 1,744 yards and 34 touchdowns. He is a slot receiver, which we seem to have around about 20 of on the roster. Um, So it's going to be an interesting kind of camp to try and see how they whittle down. Uh, And I know we said we weren't going to talk about training camp, but Beasley did get reps with the ones during today's camp practice, but that might just be because He's new and they want to get him up to speed as quickly as possible um, with the premium players. Uh, Now, secondly, Robinson, um, another Robinson, the fourth Robinson we've now got on the team, I believe. Uh, It was also an undrafted free agent signing with the Jags back in 2020. 
He spent three years there before moving on to the Jets. He signed a two-year, $8 million deal with New England in the offseason, but was then released on June the 12th. Um, 39 career games for him, 32 starts. He's rushed for 2,262 yards, scored 18 touchdowns. Uh, he's also caught 91 passes out of the backfield for an additional 617 yards and five touchdowns. Bryant, who um, in what seems to be a running theme here for the Giants, is an undrafted free agent. Um, he was picked up by the Seahawks in 2016, and he has been everywhere. He spent time at the Jets. He went to the CFL and played with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, he also played for the Browns, the Dolphins, the Bills twice, and the Texans. He's played in 11 games over four seasons, with seven coming with the Bills and the other four with the Browns. His career totals include nine tackles, seven of them solo, and one quarterback kicked. And finally, Bauer rounds out our undrafted free agent pickups. He was signed by the Vikings in 2017 and has since spent time with the Patriots, uh, back with the Vikings again, and then the Raiders. His career numbers include three starts in 26 games, with 23 tackles, four of them for a loss and two sacks. So as you can see uh, on that tweet as well, there were a few movements out of the door uh, in East Rutherford, um, you know, to make way for those four players. We did have to unfortunately say goodbye to a few uh, wide receivers, Dre Miller and Mackay Polk, who's since been picked up by the Ravens, who, interestingly enough, we got Mackay Polk from. Um, they've both been released along with edge rusher Ellison Smith, who uh, was designated with a heel injury. Defensive back Trenton Thompson and also defensive back Leonard Johnson, who took an injury settlement again because of a knee injury. So four players signed there, uh, Shane, um, four released. Who do you think is the most likely to get a roster spot out of the four we've signed? And who potentially was the biggest shock out of the five that have gone? Um, I'm going to for Cole Beasley. He's probably the most likely to get a roster spot. And... I seen the Colby's deciding as something which we're going to come on to shortly, and that was maybe one, if not two, other wide receivers starting the season on pup. Um, and I think, I think especially if one of them is guaranteed, then I can see him getting a roster spot. Now the only concern is obviously he played last year for the Bills and the Bucks. He only had six receptions in total, um, but you know he's he, he he was at the Bills when Dave's was there, so he knows how Dave looks to operate. Dave knows him well as as, as well, um, and to be fair, I think I don't think he signs this deal unless he's maybe not had a guarantee, but kind of being tipped off. Look, if you sign for us, we you, you're going to start on on the roster, um, and I think he's he's a good veteran player to have as well. Because like, okay, you you've got Shep, but outside of that, you've got players who are veterans in the sense of they've been in the league long enough, but not been in the league that long so like Darius Slayton for instance you know mm. he's not been, he's been in the league long enough but not way near as long as what someone like um Cole Beasley has likewise for Paris Campbell as well um and then obviously you've got rookie Jalen Hoyer second year Wandale Robinson so I think he's had a, a, a little bit more veteran uh, leadership to to the position group and like following on from that if if for whatever reason they decide that Shepard maybe this is the year that he gets cut then Colby will step into that 
that role even more if he's retained. Um, and I'm going to go for the most surprising one. I'm going to go for Leonard Johnson, just because of the contract we gave him originally. Like, I think, was it a three-year deal we gave him? Like, mm. to then for him to then be cut, I was just quite surprised. I mean, the other ones don't really su- surprise me. Whereas Leonard Johnson, it was a kind of one where, okay, well, if they're getting three years, they've obviously seen something and they've got faith in him. But to then be cut probably less than three months later was just a bit of a surprise for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can agree with the BZ um, the BZ signing, and and you're right. Anytime you give a long term contract or a longer term contract to somebody who's coming from outside the organisation, who let's be honest, he hadn't played a lot of ball either um, since leaving college because he was uh, he was he he was the guy who got injured during the combine or before the combine and yeah, wiped was, out his ACL, I think, or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. So. You know, to give a long-term contract to someone like that, I can't imagine it was a big contract, but you're still going to have a minimum on there. So, yeah, interesting. I, I'll tell you what, I'm going to... For me, I would have... I think I agree with you with Cole Beasley. Now, my answer would have been very, very different prior to Saquon signing this deal, and I would have said James Robinson. Um, and I do think that potentially, and I hate to say it, I do think he's probably got more of a chance than Brightwell on sticking around if he can show some of that sort of burst uh, and some of the experience that not that not that he showed much experience during his rookie year but you know his rookie year was a lot better than than maybe someone like Brightwell's um the biggest shock I thought Ellison Smith would just stick around just because it's Ellison Smith uh, now you know we we're going to go through the the edge rushers later uh, and Ellison Smith was on that list of edge rushers to have a chat about, but obviously now he's not because he's gone. And we write our expectations of a player for this year. And my expectation for Ellison Smith was the injuries might catch up with him, and he will be a, he will be a cap casualty. I just didn't see it coming this quickly. Another injury, a heel injury, which I believe is is different than the injuries he had last year. So. I think it's just that his body just never, it was never NFL ready. And the, I think the coaches have just taken that as another injury to another body part that it's time, it's time to go now. So, so yeah, Ellison Smith, he's been around, I think this would have been his third year. I think he was, he was born in 2021. So there we go. Uh, but speaking of players who, who will begin the season injured, uh, the Giants placed wide receiver Sterling Shepard and Wondell Robinson, cornerback Aaron Robinson. Defensive tackle, A. Sean Robinson and TJ Davidson and guard Mike uh, Marcus McKeithen on the pup or physically unable to perform list. Uh, they will be available to return at any time. Uh, Bellinger was put on the pup list at the beginning of camp last year. He lasted one day on there before he was activated. So they can be activated at any time. Um, now, Shepard, Wandale, Aaron Robinson, DJ Davidson, Marcus McKethan all tore their ACLs last season, and Aishon Robinson tore his meniscus uh, in late November. So they're all rehabbing pretty serious injuries coming back, so it'll be interesting to see when they come back. Um, the Giants will also be without wide receiver Jamison Crowder, who was signed in the off-season. He's got a calf injury, and defensive tackle Vernon Butler um, reserve did not report. I don't really know what that means or what you can read into that whether he's decided not to report or whether that's a team decision. Um, but the good news is that Darian Beavers, who tore his ACL last year, and Colin Johnson, the wide receiver who tore his Achilles after tearing it up in the preseason last year, um, 
they both avoided the pup and will be able to contribute straight away. Uh, now, that is the end of the news. There was a lot of it, 23 minutes worth. So uh, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, now we will get to the meat and drink where we're going to the positional in-depths. And Shane, I think you're going to start us off with an edge rusher. You are on mute. See, this producer lark ain't easy. <laughs> yeah, I was just testing you there, so if you're on the board, you're <laughs> Um, yeah, so we're going to get into the the linebacker stroke, the edge guys uh, this week. Um, probably my favourite position in in the NFL, especially the inside linebacker role. But kind of obviously you got those edges that kind of play outside linebacker, depending on what system they're in. Um, but the first one I'm going to talk about um, is one everyone should be pretty familiar with. Um, where's number five? for the New York football giants and was drafted number five overall just over 12 months ago. Um, and that's cave on Thibodeau. Um, now he showed some promise, although he did miss the first two games of his rookie season, which was due to a knee injury. He kind of became more comfortable and got uh, more playing time as the season went on. And he did demonstrate his pass rushing skills and solid run defense. Um, obviously the big, the big game, if everyone says cave on Thibodeau, what, what, what games spring to mind? Some of you might say the cult for the snowman celebration, but the majority of you will probably turn around and say the commander's game um, where he just had a, had a breakout game in that uh, game against Washington. Um, so that's for the season just gone. He had 859 snaps. He had 45 pressures, four sacks, 12 QB hits, 29 hurries and 45 tackles. Now, hopefully, he can remain injury-free for this coming season and he'll be a consistent starter. Um, he showed leadership qualities and consistently showca showcased his enthusiasm when he was on the field. Um, hopefully, as well, this coming year, he's going to get a few more favourable decisions from the referees because he was held... A lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot. And that's an understatement. Like, you know, hopefully he's going to... Learn. He's going to get that second year. Look, you know that that first year's out the way now. The rest will start giving him more uh, recognition for when he's being held, and hopefully he's going to kind of learn to exaggerate the hold to make it even more obvious than what it already was. Um, so you know his uh, his off season goals included leveraging his strength effectively and ensuring his availability um, and gaining valuable experience in his rookie year. He, you know, you'd fancy him to have a, have a breakout season. And, you know, I think, I think Kayvon Thibodeau, we were all buzzing at the time when he was drafted. There is a draft video from last year to our reaction and we were all over the moon with, with the pick at the time. Um, and, you know, he, he's a player. I think what I like about Thibodeau, he, he spoke about it before. And I think he had a chat with uh, Michael Strahan. Uh, obviously, Thibodeau's got things going on off the field, but Strahan said to him, look, if you take care of things on the field, all the stuff off the field will take care of itself. And I think he's learned that. And he, to me, I think he seems quite mature for, for his age. Like, you know, probably the way he, he behaves sometimes, he's like more, he's more mature than what I am, in all honesty. Like, you wouldn't think he was a guy in his rookie season last year at times, um, other than maybe the Starman celebration. But yeah, you know, I think... We're, we're all hoping for high, high hopes for him this, for this coming season. Um, but how high are the expectations for Thibodeau, for you, Craig? I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because he is, you've got to bear in mind he is a second-year player. Um, however, 
from what he's shown and you know 12 QB hits 18th highest in the league tied 18th highest in the league in your rookie year and I think that's one thing that we all noticed is that though his sack number was low he was so good at just getting to the quarterback and pressurizing them um, I think his his rush rate or rush win rate was massive last season. I think it was a, it was a, the leader out of all rookies, and you know you talk about that Washington game uh, and the strip sack fumble that that he um, he made. And, you know we we were both lucky enough to be the two that went on to speak with Bob Pupper and and Carl Banks last season, just mere days I think after that game. Um, and I mentioned that as like my de- my defining moment of the season so far. Um, but it wasn't like it was a flash in the pan. Like I don't know if you remember a few weeks before we played Washington again, and he was so close to doing it. But, you know, for some reason, Taylor Heineke, I think it was, who was a quarterback, um, he just kind of held on to, held on to that ball because he, he absolutely steamrolled him. Uh, and I guess he just realised the second, the second time um, to maybe swipe for the hand rather than just trying to absolutely bull rush the guy. So, you know, I think that that also shows growth. And he, he probably looked at that and thought, you know, because we were in overtime at, at that time um, trying to win the ball game and he could have won it there and then. So uh, it's nice to see that he will he will learn. Um, leveraging his strength effectively in the off seat, as an off-season goal is absolutely key there. Um, so... Yeah, I I do have high expectations, and I think everyone should be. Now, now God, did you want to add something? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think it showed as well. His stats came on towards the end of the season. Like, he didn't he didn't put up amazing stats, but kind of over the last four games, he had three sacks, he had a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. Uh, over the season, he had two forced fumbles and two fumble recoveries. So he, he's one of those players who shows he's got kind of a, an eye for the ball as well. He's not just a case mm. of going to to try and get the quarterback on, on the ground. He, he's, he's looking at how he can make that big, big play, that game-changing play. You know, there's a massive difference between forcing a fumble and, and either yourself or one of your teammates getting the recovery on their 30 yard as opposed to them punting it out to your 30. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk about his, his friend on the other side. Um, unfortunately, someone who... Seems to struggle with injuries, but let's let's just hope that's behind him. So Aziz Ojolari um, arrived last year at training camp with increased muscle mass, aiming to be you know better withstand the demands of the game. But he faced a series of lower body injuries that caused him to miss ten games in the end. Um, and the annoying thing about it is when he did play, he struggled to be effective against stopping the run, which was. Let's, let's be honest, that was a struggle for everyone on our team last year. If there was one thing you could do against us, it was run all over us. But in 80, um, you know, in 80 run defence snaps, he had two missed tackles and only made nine stops. But he does have a high pressure rate, high sack rate. If you think Thibodeau had, how many sacks did we say? Four sacks in... 859 snaps. Now, Aziz had 252 snaps, six um, six sacks, five QB hits, nine hurries, 20 pressures, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you compare it against all edge rushes, it's it's not great. It's one of the lower end. But for such a small sample size, you can see how disruptive he is. And I think that's something that we miss when he's not there. Now, 
his ability to stay healthy is going to remain a concern for this season. Um, but he is projected to start alongside Thibodeau in the in the defence. Um, Wink was asked about Aziz's condition uh, in the lead up to uh, minicamp, I believe, uh, and Wink did mention that he appears more physically resilient this year. But we heard very similar stories before training camp last year. So the true impact of this is only going to be evident in the first few weeks of the season. But do you feel with the small sample size that Aziz is kind of underappreciated by Giants fans? Yeah, for me, massively. I'm a huge Aziz Aljolari fan. Like, I think you look at his stats, like 2021, 17 games, eight sacks, one forced fumble. Last year in seven games, he had five and a half sacks, three forced fumbles. Um, you know, he, he, I've gone on record and said, I think Aziz Aljolari is going to be more productive than Thibodeau. But I think Thibodeau's got a higher ceiling. Um, and I think, you know, I think between them, that can be like Batman and Robin or, you know, whatever dream team you want to kind of refer to him as. But like, I'm, a, I'm a massive old Jolari fan. Um, and to be fair, I was listening to the Talking Giants podcast um, yesterday, I think it was. Shout out to them guys. They do great work and their, their podcasts are awesome. Um and I think it was Justin mentioned on there that um, Aziz had mentioned that last year he was training with the O-line and the D-line a lot, like with Andrew Thomas and, and the like. And this year he's not he's not weightlifting with them. So, you know, he's obviously making some adjustments to try and maybe not put as much muscle on and reduce the, the risk of injuring. You know, if, the, if that's what the players are doing, that's what you want to see. You, you know, whether it's Evan Neal going off and doing his own thing with a, a, a previous offensive lineman who had a Hall of Fame career or uh, whatever type of career it was, or whether it's a player maybe adjusting what they're doing at the work. You know, they're aware of maybe where they might have gone wrong and the condition of their body and they're making them adjustments to make them a better player and put a better product on the field. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm really, really hoping Aziz stays fit this year because, like, I, I don't think if he does... Like, if, if Aziz and Thibodeau play, say, 16 games, 15, 16 games, I think they'll both put on double-digit sacks. Yeah. I, I think that's very attainable, very attainable because you can only, you know, we've got Dex, Dex in the middle, you've got Big Cat in the middle, you've got those two bookending on either side. You can only double team one of those four players trying to choose which one of those four you double team. I mean, by pure size, it's got to be Dexter Lawrence every single time. <laughs> um, and I don't think that really stops Dex either. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, there is a good chance that they both feast this year, but availability is going to be key there. Cool. So who have we got next? Yeah, so um, up next, it's kind of, I mean this in a nice way, but it's it's, it's edge three and it's probably someone you wouldn't really want to be your edge three, in, in all honesty, and that's uh, Jihad Ward. Um, 2022, he had the best statistical performance of his career, recording 23 pressures, 10 hits, three sacks, 43 combined tackles and two forced fumbles. Uh, he filled in the void left by the injured Ojolari in the pass and run defence and his consistent production was valuable for the Giants' defence uh, over the season, making a significant impact despite varying snap counts. Um, so he... Just for his stats for the year, he had 740 snaps, 24 pressures, 
Only had the three sacks, uh, 11 QB hits, 10 hurries and 31 tackles, um, which, to be fair, did tie for 21st in the league. Um, so, you know, although it's likely that you think he's going to be a backup um, for his veteran presence and his fiery temperament and obviously his, um, his jokery behind the scenes videos that he likes to put on Instagram or Twitter or wherever it might be, um, Hopefully, he'll continue to drive the Giants' defence on on every snap when he does get on the field. The Giants can be confident that he'll continue to thrive. And like we've mentioned before, you know, when you've got the likes of Dexy, Thibodeau, then you've got Haddy coming in. I mean, like, if you're all on, you're probably going to want to wear earplugs or something, in all honesty. Like, just just, just take them out when, when you're giving the huddle with a QB and then put them back in when you're giving face them guys. Because, like, I, I couldn't be doing with it at all. Um but how important do you think it is for us to have a veteran like Haddy in the edge room? Yes, massive, isn't it? And, and I think it's it's not just the veteran kind of way of how to play, how to handle yourself, how to deal with you know adversity that, that Haddy would bring. But I think he would also be very good if the Giants kind of got into a bit of a rut. Because as we know, we've got a toughish schedule on paper based on on last year now, obviously a lot changes year to year. So it'll be very interesting to see just how tough that schedule ends up being. But I think if we were to get into a rut and kind of get a couple of games where we lose in a row, Haddy's the kind of guy I think who would kind of keep everyone's head above the water, who would who would kind of G everyone up and, and, and be able to be that veteran person who goes, hey, look, yes, it's, it's shit at the moment. It's not great. We, we need to buck our ideas up. But we have the talent to do it. I, I imagine as a hype man, he is he is very good um, and and would quite easily have the back of any any player on on that defense as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's what's key. Is that I think that he's got that experience. That I think he. I, I don't obviously we don't know him personally, but I think he can probably read players quite well, and he can tell the kind of players who he maybe needs to grab by the face mask and g up, and probably this kind of players who he just needs to protect to one side and say, look, this is what you need to do, or this is what you're not doing well. Um, but at the same time as well, I think he's also the type who can be, believe it or not, I get the impression he could maybe be a bit, bit of calm at times as well, like just reassuring players, like, look, we've, we've got this, like. Thibodeau, yeah, you know, you're getting held and that, and you're not quite getting the sacks, but keep at it and you're, you're going to get there, trust me. And I think, you know, he's, he's probably got that trust of his teammates as well. Um, so, you and you know, like I say, he's edge three. Hopefully, he doesn't have to become edge two because anyone gets injured. Because, um, you know, in the nicest possible way, you, you don't really want Jihad Ward to be your edge three. You'd rather him maybe be your edge four. But obviously, we've not got that luxury at this position. Um, so hopefully, like I say, he's not going to be. We're not. We're not going to be too reliant on him. But when when we are, we know that he's going to step on the field. He's going to give one hundred and ten percent and do what's right for the team. Yeah, and if anyone's really kind of questioning our thoughts on on Jihad Ward and and kind of how we're saying that his teammates perceive him, just go back to our YouTube page and watch. The interview we did with Casey Kreiter, because right at the end of that, we asked him some quick fire questions and we said, oh, who's the funniest giant? And he said he was struggling to think, and, and, you know, we mentioned Haddie and he was like, oh, of course, Haddie. And then he, he just turned around and he said, look, 
out of every single person in that locker room, if I had to, you know, have someone babysit my kids, I'm calling Haddy straight away. And I think that really speaks about the character of the man and what his teammates think of him. Um, but, you know, let, let's move on to it. You know, I don't want to say, <laughs> I don't want to say, say the lesser edge rushers, but, you know, it kind of does not fall off a cliff, but kind of go to some of the players that maybe aren't quite up to scratch to be main backups as of yet, maybe as emergency backups. I mean, the first one is uh, O'Shane Zimenez. Now, you know, he was sidelined with a hamstring issue, hamstring issue. Um, but he did earn his playing time uh, with the Giants and it was the most playing time he'd had in his career. You know, 506 total snaps, lining up mostly on the D-line, but also in the box and at slot corner. Uh, he had 15 pressures, three sacks, six quarterback hits, six hurries and 12 tackles. Um, he was one of these players last, you know, at the beginning of last season where we said, oh, he could be one of those cap casualties, but he stuck around. And it wouldn't surprise me if he is used as a rotational piece. Um, and he continues to improve. You know, there's obviously a bit of trust there with with Dabes and with Wink. Um, but let's be brutally honest, he is unlikely to start unless there are injuries. It's just the crux of the matter when it comes to to, to O'Shane Jimenez. Yeah, I think he's one of them that, like, like we mentioned when the, the, we brought him back, I think it was just a case of we needed a little bit of edge depth and um, the, um, the, the, the player knows the system. And mm. the coach is now the player, and probably that's why um, he was brought back. In all honesty, um, but yeah, you know, look, I mean, he, if you're saying that you you hope you don't see Jihad Ward too often on the field, you can definitely say that for all, <laughs> in all honesty. Um, he's kind of one of them players, like, like you alluded to earlier with 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 Gettleman's later round picks. It kind of it's not really worked out with old Shane Zimmerman. I mean, I remember when when he was drafted, and people were saying, "Oh, yeah, you kind of get Aussie vibes," and in some ways, like I hate when people say that about a player because when when someone says about old Shane Zimenez and you think, okay, yeah, what we got here, and he doesn't turn out, and then when people say, I feel I feel like too often we we're, we're too easy to compare players to players of the past, and I think that's kind of unfair on them players. In all honesty, you know, especially when you got a rookie coming into the league and you're saying, oh yes, from a small school we get OC vibes off him. I think that's a real unfair. Uh, comparisons put on a player from day one, especially when that player is a third or a fourth, well, a day three pick, essentially. Mm. Um, so, you know, yeah, you, like I say, you, you hope he doesn't step onto the field too much, but if he does, at least he's had a year in the system, he's familiar with Wink and what Wink likes to do, um, rather than somebody who probably doesn't know anything and he's a veteran in the league. Mm-hmm. Right, moving on then, Shane. Yeah, so up next we've got Tamon Fox, um, undrafted free agent last year. Um, he wasted no time making an impact, securing his first career sack against Ryan Tannehill in the season opening win. Uh, he only appeared in a limited capacity, but did provide valuable contributions to both the run defence, pass rush and special teams, covering and returning kickoffs and punts. Uh, 327 snaps for the season, eight pressures, that one sack, zero QB hits, seven hurries and 15 tackles. 
Uh, obviously, we've got an abundance of established veterans with limited spots. It could be difficult for Fox to secure a spot on the team's regular season roster for a second year. Uh, I think one, one thing that stands out for me last year was the pre-season game. I can't think who it was against, but he just licked somebody up massively. That was mm. like, As soon as I seen that play, I was like, OK, yeah, a, a hard-hitting linebacker or edge kind of guy, you, you know, mm. you don't see anybody get injured, but you like to see those hard hits, that kind of hits that you don't see too often in the NFL nowadays with the protection that players have got, etc. But, you know, Tom on Fox, again, familiar with his system. I was really happy for him last year. I mean, like, you know, as, as much as everyone loves rookies that are drafted, there's not no better story than an undrafted free agent getting a roster spot. Um, so, you know, for Tom on Fox to do that last year, that was, that, that, that was great to see. I was really happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, moving on, I've stitched myself up with this one, haven't I? Jesus. Habakkuk Baldonado, uh, <laughs> who is one of our undrafted rookie free agents from this year, uh, last season had a few injury issues, really, um, but he showed resilience. He started all nine games that he appeared in. He made significant contributions, five tackles for loss, two sacks uh, and a block kick. Um, and I think that was enough, really, for him to to grab the eye um, of uh, the Giants' sort of backroom staff and just to bring him in. Now, uh, I know I think Kev is is a fan, quite likes quite likes Baldonado. So, a productive college season, potential as a you know rotational pass rusher, could earn him a spot on the practice squad uh, if he has a solid training camp. Um, you know, further development on that practice squad could see him called up in the season if there are injuries and he could have an opportunity to contribute in the future. Let's be honest, it's not the deepest of uh, of kind of cause at the moment in the edge rusher room. So there's definitely a chance for him, I would say, unless he really does have a bad camp. Yeah, I mean, like, Baldonado, he's, he's a great story. I mean, like he's a he's a European player, which is what you like. You know, we, we like to see, especially we like to see the European players uh, mm. go over and, and do well. Uh, he was born in Italy. He moved to Florida in 2017. Uh, he attended Clearwater Academy International for one year. In that one season, he had 83 tackles and 30 and a half sacks. Um, following Sorry, on from 30, 30.5 sacks, three zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and off the back of that, he went to the University of Pitt to go and play college football there. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it, you, you like to see these kind of players do well. These, these feel good stories, um, especially, like I say, being, being born in Italy. Uh, he, he did a great interview with someone off Sky, was it Sky Sports not long after. It, was it either just before he was drafted or not long after he was drafted? I know we got tagged in it on Twitter. And that, that's a great interview. Like, he comes across really well. And he's a kind of person that you think, yeah, okay, you know, maybe is, is there something there? Um, and touching on that, uh, Jamie makes a, a great point about whether it's a vet or an undrafted free agent. Um, best thing about the Giants is Wink will make something of you if you put the work in. Undrafted free agent, vet or a star, Wink will work things out. And I think for me, Baldonado is one of those players who I hope something can kind of work out for him. Um you know, in 20, 2018, he had a red shirt at Pittsburgh. 2019, he had 30 tackles for four sacks. 2020, and he played four games due to an injury. Um, and then last last year, 2021, 
sorry, as, as a 14 game starter in 2021, he had 41 tackles and nine sacks. So, off his 30 and a half sacks that he had at Clearwater Academy, um, he has sort of put a little bit of production on the field. And, you know, if, if this is, a, if it, maybe this is this year's Tamon Fox, you know, the, mm. the undrafted free agent who makes a big play in pre season and kind of gets a, a roster spot. Like I say, being, being a European kind of guy as well, we've added that. I know we're big blue UK and Ireland, but we have absolutely no issues with Europe in general. And, you know, if that was to happen, who knows? Maybe we might start seeing a few Baldonado jerseys on this side of the pond. Yeah, exactly that. And, you know, you're absolutely right. We're very good friends with the guys at Big Blue Germany. We're good friends with the guys in, in Giants France. Uh, we've got Ruben, who is part of the Spanish uh, Giants team. Uh, hell, I think we've even recently started uh, following and being followed by uh, Giants Brazil. So, you know, it's it's, it's multinational. Uh, we're just one of a large number of kind of growing um, fan groups around the world. And I'm sure an Italian one will prop up if, uh, if Baldonado really does... Um, sort of take take flight there. Um, just before you get into the last one, uh, Shane, uh, thanks for, for you know, popping in, Jamie, and uh, and for popping some comments on. Uh, we are looking for a third, and we're just about to start doing the linebackers in a minute. So if you fancy uh, jumping on and having a chat about some linebackers, let us know in the comments, and we'll, uh, we'll give you the invite link, because we loved having you last week, and we'd love to have you again. Um, but Shane, do you want to uh, round us out? Yeah, sure. Uh, Jamie, anyone else who's listening, come and join the party. There's uh, no pressure for anyone to do it, but if someone does feel comfortable to jump on, feel free to drop us a DM on Twitter. Um, so the last one is to Sean. Is it Bower or Boa? I don't know if my black country accent is missing that pronunciation up as my phone goes off. Um, that's not Saquon Barkley, if anyone's wondering after last week. <laughs> um Error appeared in six games for the Raiders. However, only had 36 snaps for one assisted tackle. He also had 34 snaps on special teams. Uh, as, as we mentioned at the start, he was uh, only signed kind of this week, um, signed to the squad the day before training camp. He's going to look to earn a roster spot, but most likely will be a training camp body and nothing more. I think we both agree with that. Oh, 100%. Yeah, um, absolutely. There. There's no doubt that when you join a roster as late as he has, and then you look at some of the names that potentially are ahead of him, um, and then the fact that the Giants probably just want a body to take them through camp, I can't see it coming through. I mean, if you look at those four players in Fox, uh, Bauer, Baldonado, and uh, Jimenez, which out of those, you know, let's say we carry another two behind the front three. Let's say one. Let's say one, and then one goes to the practice squad. Who are you saying? Um, who's that out of? Is it from Fox, Baldonado and Boa? And, 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 and we'll include, I mean, let's say Jimenez is going to be the starter, or not the starter, sorry, that fourth fourth edge rusher, isn't he? So yeah. out of the other out of the other three, one of them is probably going to drop down to the practice squad, but will contribute at some point because they would likely to get called up because it's very unlikely we have four edge rushers that don't have injuries. So out of those three, so Fox, Baldonado, and Bauer, who are you saying for practice squad this year? Um, 
So I think if I had to, I'll, I'll, I'll go with one for the roster, one for practice squad, and one's cut. So I'd, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say the one that'll be cut will be Boa. Um, mm-hmm. Roster spot will probably be Tamon Fox, and then practice squad Baldonado. But I'd have no issues if those two were to maybe alternate, and Baldonado maybe shows enough to, like I say, to be this year's Tamon Fox and, and get a, a spot on the fifty-three. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. I mean, I I, I can't disagree with that at all. Um, I think Baldonado's lack of experience and probably the fact that he wasn't drafted uh, obviously means that there's some wrinkles to iron out there and, and he just needs, you know, a bit of an arm around him and, and just a, a bit of coaching, a bit of guiding the right way to do things. Because as everyone knows, the, the step up from college and uh, to the NFL is massive and not, you know, you don't always get somebody who can jump up like a source or like a chase, like we've said millions of times before. So he is going to need kind of, you know, coaxing, coaxing into that into that mindset of being an NFL player and not just a college player who has a great story behind him. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll let you kick off linebackers as well um, because because I know you're a big fan of this one. Yeah, massively. Lo- love my linebackers. Um, just for a dude, we had another comment from Jay, which I think is a valid point. Uh, culture and leadership seems to be a common thing that's being mentioned. Everyone's pulling in one direction, which is great to see. Um, and I think that's absolutely spot on, you know, like we've mentioned, especially in regards to kind of Haddy and probably some of the players we're going to talk about uh, from the linebacker group. Um, last year, we mentioned it kind of that Dave's and Shane come in and they had a clear direction that they wanted to go in with this smart, tough, dependable. Um, just before we went on air tonight, I watched the Dave's and Shane uh, press conference that they did earlier on. I think it's about... 20 minutes long on the Giants um, YouTube page. And the thing that that you kind of get a sense of it's just carrying, kind of carrying on. Uh, lots of questions about Saquon, if anyone's not listened to it. I think there's about 15, 20 questions just in, in regards to Saquon alone. But yeah, you know, the, the, the culture and leadership seems to be a common thing, 100%. And I think that's just what they, they want to instill. And I think that mm. kind of, that's kind of like a bit of a, a Giants mentality. It, it feels to me that that's the, that's what they want the Giants to be kind of recognised for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was lucky enough to be invited back by the full ten yards guys to write for the guide um, for this year, uh, and that was one of the things I, f- I focused on. Um, just a little spoiler for that. I believe there's a line in there that describes uh, Joe Judge as a fun sponge. So if that's your kind of uh, knock on Joe Judge that you like, go to Full 10 Yards. <laughs> go on the Full 10 Yards website. You can uh, you can pre-order their guide. Um, or if you're coming on the uh, the week one meetup that we've got in Birmingham, you can actually buy a ticket that includes a drink uh, ticket entry and the guide as well. So that is there. And I do cover all about the exactly what Shane said you know the culture change at the Giants has been massive and, it, and it's a, a massive part of our success and hopefully our success for going forward so um so yeah then come on then linebacker who we got yes yeah, so the first play we got up um, I think it'd be rude to start anywhere else in all honesty it was uh, one of the big free agent acquisitions of this offseason. That's Bobby Akerike. He's come over from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, played all 17 games with 16 starts, accumulating 968 snaps. He achieved a career high of 151 tackles. Displayed his proficiency as a linebacker in both pass coverage and run defence. 
They also con contributed six tackles for loss, five pass breakups and two forced fumbles. Uh, so, you know, he, he had he had kind of a breakout year last year for the, the Colts, in all honesty. Uh, three pressures, 112 tackles, which tied for 11th in the league. Uh, 18 missed tackles, which, you know, tied for 79th, which is what you want to see. You want to see in the, the higher end there rather than the, the lower end. Um, and two forced fumbles. Now, he's easily the best and most experienced starter the Giants have this season at the linebacker position. And he's a massive upgrade in a linebacker room that hasn't been good. Um, I want to say for a while, 100% not been good pretty much since I've been following the New York Giants. Um, he's it, a dominant run stuffer, which is exactly what we need, like you've alluded to earlier. The, the run was a big Big, big issue for us last season. I think that's probably an understatement. So, how much do you think Akereke improves this linebacker group? <laughs> it's, it's massive, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. You, you're exactly right. When it comes to linebackers, we just haven't been good enough to the point where, and, I, and I'm not being disrespectful to some of the players that have come in over the last few seasons, but sometimes it just felt like we had so many injuries at the position. We were just picking people off up off the streets and just putting them in, you know, here's, here's a prospect that was an undrafted free agent for a team who, you know, made some plays during training camp, but they cut him. He hasn't been with the team for two years. Let's bring him in. I mean, there was even a few times where we brought Landon Collins back and even he played almost like a hybrid uh, safety linebacker role. And I think that speaks volumes as to how bad the core was. Akerake had an absolute stellar season last year. Probably, I think it was his best, the best season he had. He was one of the, you know, top tacklers in the league, and forced fumbles, tied third overall for linebackers with with two. Is impressive. Run defense was just such an Achilles heel last year that we need to get better at the position, and that's kind of where he thrives. Don't expect him to to be a blitzing linebacker and get to the quarterback. Be happy that what he does is he stops us from being absolutely shredded by the Eagles every time we seem to play them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, but, you know, 12 months ago, we had Mr. Irrelevant as our LB1. It's never a good sign if the, the last pick in, in an NFL draft is your starting linebacker. Although, you know, he, he'd make a, a massive play and a huge hit against Derrick Henry in that opening game last year against Tennessee. You, you didn't really want to see Tay Crowder starting at, 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 as linebacker one. I think there was hopes for a couple of other players who we'll be talking about shortly had injuries and, and, and whatnot. But yeah, the, the past year for Bobby Akerake was huge. Um, prior to that, he's kind of always been um, overshadowed by Darius Leonard or Shaquille Leonard or whatever he's called. Who you know, he's, he's a great linebacker. You know, for the for a second round pick, he, he's phenomenal and been one of the, the top five linebackers since he's entered the league. So Kerry Kay kind of didn't really get much of an opportunity at times to to show what he could potentially do because rightfully so, Leonard was was the main guy there. So you know, he's a massive upgrade from day one. He's you know a great great linebacker. I think he's gonna he, he's gonna vastly improve that defence. Um I don't I don't see how we can become weaker than what we have been at the linebacker <laughs> position. And hopefully 151 um combined tackles last year. You hope he's kind of gonna get more because if he's getting more it means he's he's doing his job. And he's someone who, you know, in all honesty, 
I'd happily look at getting his jersey when we go over in November. Uh, if you know about that, we're going to New York in November for the Patriots game. Let us know if you're going to be out there. Little side note for that. But yeah, 99 solo tackles. Hopefully he gets into triple figures this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and let's just hope that he's also made up with Daniel Jones after the uh, late, late hit that he smashed on him during the Colts game last year, um, where he, he definitely got flagged for that. He did, but that 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 play still stands out to me because he, he was he was one of the few Colts players that mm. did up in that game. Like, let's be honest, the Colts were unofficially tanking. Like, <laughs> no interest in winning that game at all. As soon as they went down by a certain amount of points, you could see their players. I mean, even, you know, um, Dexter Lawrence with his, with his sack against um, Nelson. Nelson. Yeah, Quentin Nelson. I'm not saying Nelson gave up on that play. Yeah. It was a playoff game. Would he maybe have put a little bit different, more effort into it? Whereas a Kerakai, you know, I think there was nothing personal with it with Daniel Jones, and I'm sure they've probably had a private chat or comment about it, joke between themselves in the dressing room. But um, yeah, for me, I, I think you know that's kind of what you wanted to see from Akerakai last year, in the sense of he's the only player who gave up, who didn't give up in that in that game. And I think you asked most Giants fans off the back of that game if there's one player that you'd want us to sign, it probably would have been Bobby Akerakai because he gave his hundred percent throughout. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, I'm going to fire through the next two because I think that um, they they kind of make sense to be grouped together. Uh, and there's a question at the end of that just to just to ask you as well. So um, Darren Beavers is up first. So Beavers showcases versatility early in reps uh, in the first team defence and obviously got the responsibility of calling plays during his, a preseason game last year. But then week two rolled around um, and it caused him to miss the entirety of the year. So, you know, it kind of it kind of stopped before it really got started there. Um, Beavers is going to be a bit of a compelling player to watch in camp as he showed promise before that ACL tear and had the potential to become a starter. Now, assuming that his injury is fully healed and it kind of does look that way by the fact he didn't start off on the pup list, he sh- he's going to be able to compete for that second inside linebacker spot opposite Bobby in what's going to be an intriguing camp battle with Michael McFadden, who's the next player up now. You know, after that injury to Beavers, McFadden was kind of the pleasant surprise of 2022. Uh, notable outings on re- run defence and pass rush, showcases of tackling ability, finished regular season with, you know, pretty impressive sp- Stats, despite limited opportunities, um, 435 snaps, uh, six pressures, 35 tackles, five missed tackles, and one full force fumble. You know, given his aggressive, physical, reliable play, he is going to be up against Beavers for that starting spot, as we've said. Now, recent departures at the position, McFadden now has the opportunity for a breakout season with the potential to establish himself as a long-term contributor for the team. However, who wins, Shane? Who wins? See, I feel like I'm going to really cop out here. So, I think it's McFadden's job to lose to start the season. Um, Let's not forget, realistically, this is Beaver's rookie season that's coming up. 
Um, McFadden's kind of had that year to have have some NFL snaps and get a little bit of a feel for the position. Whereas Beavers ha- hasn't played a snap in in an official NFL game yet. Obviously, he got injured early into preseason, but I think that Beavers can hundred percent take the job from McFadden. Um, Beavers was a six round pick last year, hundred eighty two overall, and for me, he was the steal of the the Giants draft picks last year. I know some people have mentioned like the likes of maybe Belton and, and Bellinger, but for me, Beavers in the, in the sixth round was fantastic value. Um, you know, he's a player who was in 2021 a um, Bookus Award finalist. Uh, that Bookus Award goes to the best uh, linebacker in college football. They've got one for professional and for high school as well. But you don't get nominated to be a finalist if you're a bum, in all honesty. You've got to have something about yeah. So I think, like I say, cheating the answer kind of thing, that, that it's going to be McFadden's job to lose just because he's got that experience. But 100% Beavers can take it, and I believe he will take that LB2 position at some point in the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I agree. I do think it's, it's McFadden's to lose because of the fact that he did... He, you know, he did show what he's got last season, but um, I mean, I don't think Beavers is gonna is gonna roll over it and let McFadden just take that job. I think it will be an intriguing battle. Now, um, we have had Jamie come and join, so I'm gonna add him to the stream. Uh, I'm not sure his camera's working, but we can hear him. Good evening. How are you doing, mate? How are you doing, bud? You're right. Yeah, good. Thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, we're all good, mate. We've just been talking about McFadden and Beavers, who potentially are going to be those two players battling it out for the position opposite Bobby Akerake. Um, What do you think? Who's who's going to win that battle out of the two? I, I think Beavers, um, but it's one of those ones I don't think we've really had a great sort of linebacker two, have we, to complement it, because... Um, we've got some great edge rush and everything, as you discussed, and things like that. But it's that coverage, isn't it? It's who's going to complement Bobby Okereke, um in wing system. So it's like, I'm saying Beavers um, for now, but you never know, do you? Because wing system is, it's just, you know, it's ever-changing, isn't it? You might have one down in and then one down out. It's it's the joys of um, the Wink Martin D, uh, D, I think. Yep, totally agree, mate. Absolutely agree. It's it's going to, like I said, it's going to be intriguing. I don't think Bobby will end up playing many preseason snaps, if any. I think you might see him maybe in the last in the last preseason game just to get a little bit of wear, you know, wear on the tyres, as they say. But um, I think other than that, we're probably going to see both of the players on the pitch at the same time, and and it will be a case of Wink goes to turns around to them both and says, "Show me what you got. Show me what you got during the game, and we'll see how it goes." So. Um, Shane, do you want to pile through two of the next four, and I'll take the last two, and then we'll uh, we'll keep Jamie here so he can um, give his thoughts on those. Yeah, so the next two we've uh, we've got Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin, um, both linebackers. But let's be honest, they're both special teamers more than anything else. That's what they're kind of getting their roster spots for. Um, so Cam Brown, he appeared in every game last year. He only took three defensive snaps. He was exclusively on special teams. He could sneak on as a special teams only player, but if that's enough to get him a roster spot, 
is a little bit of a different question. Obviously, at times last year, our special teams did struggle. It was probably the worst season we've had at special teams, especially at the start of the season as well. Uh, and then Carter Coughlin again, a uh, campaign that unfortunately continues Coughlin's productivity free fall. He showed glimpses of a rookie in 2020. Uh, his defensive grade hit a career low, though, in 2022. And opposing receivers took full advantage of his poor coverage skills. Again, another one, he, he's shown promise on special teams, but he needs to focus on improving the fundamentals of his game quickly. Otherwise, he potentially drops off the roster. And it's always a bit of a risk when you're just relying on special teams. You know, you, what you want to be able to do is be a productive player that offers special teams value. If all you're offering is special teams, then it's always going to be a bit of a struggle. Yeah, absolutely. And then we move on to two players who are relatively un unknowns to us, us Giants fans. Um, you've got Troy Brown and De Deontay Johnson. Uh, Troy Brown had a standout season, uh, senior season at Old Miss, um, transferred from Central Michigan and emerged as a prolific tackler, despite the fact that he's got a small stature for a linebacker. Um, impressive total of 93 tackles. He made an impact in helping the Rebels achieve an 8-5 and five record and also secured a spot in the Texas Bowl. Um, now, obviously, he's going to be competing with several other candidates for this kind of final roster spot on linebacker. Now, as Shane's already alluded to with the two previously, you do tend to see a little bit of kind of special teams um, acumen when you come to these players. So it'd be interesting to see how these two do on special teams. Um, you know, he, he does lack experience and that's where he, he will be able to gain experience if he does make the roster spot. Uh, and the other one, Deontay Johnson, uh, had a final season with the Toledo Rockets. Uh, he, he recorded 109 tackles, eight of them resulting in a loss of yardage. He also contributed three sacks from the linebacker position. Um, you know, he has a few more feathers in his cap compared to some of the others vying for that, that depth spot because he's had extensive experience, not just at linebacker, but also at edge as well. So he, he has the versatility that Wink kind of looks for. However, he is super, super raw from what I understand. Um, so potentially practice squad. But, you know, there doesn't seem to be a standout amongst those guys. You know, there's no standout backup number four. So do you think any of them are going to take it and step up to, to actually contribute defensively as opposed to Coughlin and Brown, um, Cam Brown, who have gotten, gone special teams? Or do you think that's going to be potentially an external candidate, Shane? See, I quite like Deontay Johnson, but as you say, he's going to be... You're going to be a practice squad player more than anything else. I mean, the, the key thing for, for me is there's going to be opportunity at this linebacker position. You know, if you like a Kerricade, let's say he doesn't take any snaps, you've then got Beavers and Coughlin, who are both going to be looking to take full opportunity for that LB2, and then obviously one of them being LB3. Cam Brown and Coughlin have kind of shown that they don't kind of really add much as, as linebackers in the defensive game. So, you know, for, for Deontay Johnson and for Troy Brown, there's going to be an opportunity there. And it, it's going to be about grasping that opportunity with both fans and taking it and, you know, kind of putting on a playing in pre-season that's going to make Dable and, and, the, and, and Wink turn around and say, are we confident this guy's not going to get picked up based on his pre-season games? Mm -hmm. And that, that's the risk that you always run, run when you cut players. Um, so, you know, I, I'm kind of, 
a little bit hopeful for Deontay Johnson. Um, six foot two, 235 pounds, and he ran a 4.53. So he's kind of got, got size and he's got speed as well. Mm. How about you, Jamie? How, how do you see this one going? Do you think that there's a chance that we're going to pick someone up prior to, to when we actually get the uh, finalised roster of the 53? I think we will see some sort of wiggle movement. Like uh, Shane said there, you, you run that risk of the sort of waiver. I mean, we, we signed the boy from Pittsburgh. Was it Roche last year? And everyone thought, wow, he's brilliant. And he did. And then we kind of let him go. And then he was picked up straight away. So there are some diamonds in the mud, so to say. Um, special teams last year was, was well, average at best. Um, and like you said, and the names there, Carter Cochran and stuff like that, they were the ones that were on that special team. Um, so it is a massive step up to expect them to play in that linebacker position, you know, consistently and effectively. I think, you know, I've seen a few people ask about getting, you know, spending a few million on another experienced linebacker. And I just think we could probably use that, that room cap-wise elsewhere because it is a long season. It is going to be a physical season. Um, and as we know, our linebackers' job predominantly are to also stop the run because we've been so badly, you know, bad on it over the last two years in in pretty much, a, you know, yeah. uh, in a in a difficult league. I, you know, I, I think our division is probably it was once renowned as one of the worst. I think now it's probably one of the best. Um, it's going to be a long old stretch, and I think it's anybody's job, isn't it? As Shane said, it's anyone's job. Use the preseason to your best. It's not about it's not competitive because every down is competitive. You're playing for your job, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and you, you're exactly right with when it comes to cap space there because you, you don't play to the limits of your cap number before the season starts because during the season, you're going to have to cut players and they're going to have cap hits against, uh, you know, or they're going to have monetary hits against the cap that's going to shrink your ability to really do anything. So you always need that buffer there just in case you need an emergency person to bring in. But um, just before you go, Jamie, just um, want to get your thoughts on the Barclay and the Thomas deals. We spoke about those earlier. Just want to see what you uh, what you think on those two. I think uh, when I was on last time, I said about um, locker room and the importance within the locker room. Two big presents. Two big leaders and seeing number 26 run out on the training paddock today was brilliant because there was none of this um, sort of animosity. There was nothing there. He was just smiling. He was embracing it. And, you know, and when you look at building an offensive line, he's been a stud. And is it three or four years to the day that was it what ESPN or somebody was laughing, saying he was the worst um, offensive tackle that you could pick and so on? Well, eat your words now because he's one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid. And do you know what? He deserves it because Andrew Thomas pretty much does help significantly. So, you know, keeping the best talent we have is important and building around them again is just as important. So, well played, Joe Shane. Yeah, the man's been cooking over the last uh, last few days and uh, he's definitely kept us on our toes. But um, thanks again for coming on, Jamie. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your evening uh, for the second week in a row to come and have a chat with us and... Uh, Maybe what we'll have to do is get you on for a full episode at some point because, um, you know, I love I love hearing your opinions, mate. Really, uh, really good. No, it's been brilliant. And obviously, keep up the good work, guys. It's going to get bigger as the season comes towards now. There's going to be a lot more to talk about. So keep up the good work. Will do, mate. We'll, uh, we'll speak to you soon, bud. Have a good one. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate.
See you later. Right, so unfortunately, that is all the time we have this week. However, we'll have a nice treat for you uh, next week, uh, as I believe we're going to have two shows. We've got uh, the penultimate entry in the roster series as we look at the safety and specialists, the two S's. And then we'll be welcoming friend of the pod, Brian O'Leary, from the Irish NFL show. So he can give his thoughts on everything since he was last on prior to the draft. Uh, anything you want to add before we disappear, Shane? Just uh, obviously, we've mentioned a couple of meetups um, during this pod. Obviously, Craig's mentioned the meetup in Birmingham for the first game of the season. And earlier on, I mentioned the meetup in November for the Patriots game. The only mention, the only meeting we've not mentioned is the one that is happening in October. October yeah, it's getting my mixed up then. Uh, October, Marleybone Sports Bar and Grill uh, for the Giants versus, I nearly said Redskins game, then it was, it was in, in my head. <laughs> uh, we'll get them onto Dita Carver and changing the name back or or whatever whatever team they're going to be. But yeah, the Commanders game, uh, Giants Commanders on the twenty second of October, I think it is off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, so you, you know, three three meetups there in three months straight. Do get in touch with us if you want to attend one or even all three of them. Uh, if you want to, if you want our flight details, we'll give them. Yeah, we'll happily, <laughs> happily, happily share a flight for. Six, seven, eight hours, wherever it is, to New York with uh, fellow fans more than anything else and listeners as well. So, yeah, if, you, if you're interested in attending one of those meetups, please do get in touch with us, like we've mentioned before, uh, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, well, sorry, said Twitter, X. I know, I, know, I know Dan's a fan of it being called X. So if you want to get in touch with us on X or Instagram or Facebook, uh, do let us know if you want to attend one of those that lovely website X where you still tweet and retweet and it's still called Twitter blue. Uh, yeah. Thanks Elon. That's really helpful. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, as, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, just remember to like this video and subscribe to us on YouTube. If you haven't already, uh, you can also hit the bell to be notified of when we go live or if we put up any other videos like we probably will be next week. Uh, if you aren't already, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Just search Big Blue UK and Ireland. We're also part of the New York Giants Fans UK page, so you can find us there. As there has been a few chats this week about the Patriots game in November. And then, obviously, you can read any articles from us on the Full 10 Yards website. That's fulltenyards.com slash giants. Like I said earlier, if you go to the full10yards.com website, you can buy your tickets for the meetup in Birmingham. Uh, and like I also said, if you buy one of the um, ticket bundles, you can buy extra drinks tokens for the night. And you can also buy a copy of the guide, which I have written the Giants write-up. And Dan has given his views from a fan view point of view. My thanks go to producer Shane for doing my job. Uh, and I've now done Dan's job. So I'm looking forward to Dan coming back and we can get back to a bit of normality next week. But thank you, the listeners, for getting involved, watching or listening, whether it is live or pre-recorded. We are signing off until next time.